Good morning and welcome to the broadcast of Faith Mountain Ministries. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen today, and I pray this broadcast is a blessing to you. Last week, I preached a message called The Weight of Glory, and then recorded a follow-up live, and we're going to call this part two of The Weight of Glory. And this is a message that was recorded live at a church called Whosoever Will in Duggar, Indiana. Wonderful place, pastored by amazing people, and some of the most loving people we have ever met. And so this is part two of last week's message called The Weight of Glory. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? Oh, heavenly King, oh, comforter, giver of life, treasury of blessing, come and abide in us today. Come and abide in us today. Spirit of truth, come and abide in us today. Weigh upon us with your glory. Lord, make it tangible for us. Teach us how to position and posture our hearts to bear up under the weight of your glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to talk to you today about the glory of of God. The glory has weight to it. There is a weight, a substance to the glory of God. You hear what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? It's not just a a mental ascent. It's not just an idea. It's not a psychosomatic suggestion. When, When you encounter the weightiness of the glory of God, you can feel it. It may press down on you so hard you hit the ground, you can't get up. You couldn't get up if you wanted to. It's not a violation of your will. It's a response of a heart that says, God, I'm so surrendered to you that I posture myself, spirit, soul, and body as a living sacrifice. The glory of God weighing upon you is kind of a way of your spirit reminding your flesh of who's in charge. It's you being pliable to the spirit of God. Now, some people heard the message of Jesus. Many of you may have heard the message of Jesus in the the story of the cross and how Jesus died for us to to remove our sins and reconnect us with the Father, to restore relationship back with the Father again. And, 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 And you realize, man, this answers the question of where I go when I die. And so you believed in the message. And that's awesome. I think that's a, many, many people that are sitting in church have done that. But there's a tangible presence of the Lord that transcends merely the message that you've heard and believed. There's a tangibility to the presence of the Lord. You may go through your entire life and never actually experience an awareness of the presence of the Lord in, in, your, in your flesh any more than just in your spirit and in your mind. That's, it's possible to do. But there's a promise in the scripture that says that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord just like the waters cover the sea. In other words, it's going to be all-encompassing and nobody's left out. In Habakkuk chapter 2, the verses preceding the one that's up on the screen here say this. Say, woe to nations that build with bloodshed or build cities with bloodshed and iniquity to those who labor in vain to feed the fire. And if there was ever a description of the earth that we live on and the world we live in, it's this. In other words, we have, by the labor of our own hands, done some amazing things. We've built cities, and we've built cities often with conflict and war and bloodshed. 
We've built cities with iniquity. In other words, practices and values that go so against the presence of God that pretty soon we don't even care about God. We make, we make our own selves as, as if we are God. In other words, we're the ones that are shaping everything. That would be iniquity. It says those who labor in vain just to feed the fire. That, that's, I think, the vast majority of people on this earth who feel like they're asking the question, what am I even working for here? Because everything I'm working for feels like it's going into a fire and it burns up and it's as if it was for nothing. In other words, the earth is filled with violence and sin and I'm wasting my time. What am I doing here? And to those, and that would be all of us at some point in life, Habakkuk says, I got a promise for you. The earth shall be. In other words, this is something that is to come and I believe this is something that God is about to do in our day. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. I want to talk about those two words, knowledge and glory. The word knowledge is just a word that means a revelation of perception. In other words, you can see it, you can feel it, you can taste it, you can touch it. It awakens all of your senses. Knowledge. It's more than just an idea, or I think that's true. It's, it's an I am having an encounter that is completely embracing all of me, spirit, soul, and body. That's knowledge. Knowledge of the glory. There's a few words for glory. You have, you have Shekinah glory. That is the, the essences of God, the, the, uh, the shininess of God, the radiance of his brightness, the splendor and the countenance of, of just like the unapproachable light of God, the Shekinah. It's, it's the, the glory that hovered over the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, pillar of cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. There's another word for glory, and it's the word, it's the most commonly used word over 140 times in the Old Testament. It's the word kabod. And this is the substantive weight of the very presence of God. I want you to feel it like this. Think of it like this. Think of, and, and understand what I'm saying. There's no distance and separation between us and God. He's made you his home. More about that later. You can't, you can't, you can't get any closer to God, right? He's holding you together on a subatomic level. By the very power of his word, he literally has made you his home. The throne room is closer than you think. Let's put it that way. Right? But what you can grow in is an awareness of that closeness. Your spirit can be completely aware of the closeness of the presence of the Lord in a way that brings your entire soul and body a place of peace and rest. But the kabod of God embraces you, spirit, soul, and body to where you can feel it. It's tangible. It's, it's the person who has labored to build cities with bloodshed and iniquity, who's feeding the fire and wondering, what am I doing here? Suddenly having an, an encounter with a substance that lets them know I'm real. I'm not a myth. I'm not a lie. I'm not a man-made creation. I'm real. And the word here, when it says the earth will be filled with the knowledge, perception, all of your senses awaken to this reality of the kabod of God, the weight of the very presence of God. See, I believe there's coming a day, and it's happening in some churches that I'm aware of, even right now, this morning, there's coming a day where every gathering is going 
to be a gathering where you actually can feel the presence of God. Some of you, you're like, I do right now. I'm, I'm in it. But I'm saying, you understand that Habakkuk is prophesying into a world that has literally turned their back on God, that there is going to come a day when everybody, no matter what condition, whatever they're in, the entire earth was, will be filled. In other words, it, it'll be inescapable. They're going to have an encounter with the weighty glory of God that is inescapable. So I want that to happen. How many of you, you're like, yeah, I want that. God bring that into the earth because there's people I want to be touched by your presence who will not get in this room. See, to host the glory of God, to host the presence of God is kind of like we live in Florida, so we have a lot of guests that come down. And I realized one day that when we have visitors come into our house, they come in for the weekend. Let's say they, they're coming in Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or whatever, and they're staying for a weekend. Okay, now, we, we do a few things in the house. First up, we clean up some of the house. Not all of it, right? The rooms we don't want them to see, because we don't want to mess with it, we close the door. And that's just letting our guests know, don't go in that room. I mean, it's sort of like a universal symbol. You see a closed door in the house that you're staying in, you just, just don't go, right? Unless you're one of those people who's like, huh, I wonder what's in here. Give myself a tour. So <clears throat> we close doors, right? We just, we just do. We don't clean everything up. We clean some things up. We make a space for them that's as comfortable, as welcoming, and as accommodating as possible. And we change our normal routine up just enough to accommodate the visitor for as long as they're there. But we're pretty sure they're not going to stick around. And we kind of hope they don't. So that we can get back to our normal life. Right? Then there's another kind of house guest. And that's the house guest who says, I'm coming to live with you. Or maybe you do invite them in. Maybe you have an extra room. Now, to those people, everything's a little different. It's different than a weekend guest. You, you change your whole life up, really, to accommodate this person. You fit them into the routine of your life. And, and they kind of become part of the family. That More of the house is open to them. They, they have the ability to share your stuff with you. And so over the course of time, as familiarity and comfort increases, you share more of your house with that person. And, you know, if they ever did leave, it'd be sad because now they, you've gotten used to them being around. People treat Jesus like this. And I think a lot of churches treat Jesus like this. Weekend house guest. I'm talking about your own life. About your own life. Just a weekend house guest. I'm just a com I'm making a little space for him that's comfortable by going to church. And then I'm going to close doors to rooms I don't want him to see. I don't feel like cleaning that up. Right? And I'm just going to adjust my routine just a little. Because eventually I want to go back to doing life the way I do it. Okay? I think that's a lot of Christians. But then there are a handful of people who will go, Jesus, come live with me. Okay? And, and now we make him part of the family. And he lives there. And he's, but I don't think either one of those are the answer to what it looks like to host the glory. Short-term guest, long-term guest. Either way, he's a guest in your house. 
And I don't think that's the way this works. See, the, the way I think that Jesus is inviting us to posture our heart to host the glory is like this. Give me your house. I'm not just coming to live with you. I'm coming to take ownership. In other words, the house is mine now. You live with me. That's different. That's what it means to be a disciple and lay your life down for Christ. It's to say, Jesus, I'm not just inviting you over for a weekend. I'm not just inviting you to come and live with me and be a part of my routine. I'm actually, I got the title deed to my life, to my house. I'm not even sure how I got this. I didn't even sign up to be here. And I realized that there is an illusion to me believing that this house actually belongs to me. Thanks for letting me live with that illusion. But I've come to a realization that I wouldn't be living in this house if it weren't for you. And all along, this really belongs to you. Not only that, but the house is falling apart. And I don't know how to fix it. I've run out of resources, and I'm tired of maintaining the house in my own strength. So I take the title deed to my house, my life, and I sign it away, and I give it to you. And Jesus goes, awesome, now you get to live here. I'll take care of everything. Now, you say, what's the benefit of that? Now I'm a guest in his house. Here's the benefit. It used to be that when the devil came to knock on the door of your life, you'd answer the door, he'd kick you in the gut, come in, turn over your furniture and break your stuff, and you wonder, man, what's going on? Then you have to drag your carcass into church and go, the devil has been wreaking havoc in my life this week. And then the pastor has to ask you the uncomfortable question, well, why did you open the door? But here's what happens when you give Jesus your life. The devil comes knocking on the door, and Jesus answers. Not your house anymore. You you don't answer the door in somebody else's house. Somebody knocks on the door. They ring the doorbell. Jesus goes to the door. He opens the door. Can I help you? Yeah, I'm looking uh, looking for Dan. Yeah, you know, he used to own this house, but this isn't his house anymore. It's my house. If you want to get to him, you're going to have to go through me. Not only that, but this is my house and this is my yard. And I don't know about you, but the state of Texas has this really interesting law that if you're on somebody else's yard, they can shoot you. I don't know if Indiana's like that. <laughs> some, of you, some of you are like, my yard's like that. I don't care what the state says. <laughs> See, that's the deal. You get, you get to sit back and go, oh, wait a minute. You mean I can live here? And you answer the door. You do the maintenance. You handle all the needs and the cares of this house. And not only that, but you're never going to leave me or forsake me or kick me out. Why? Because I carry your name. See, this is the deal. Jesus doesn't carry your last name. You don't adopt him into your family. He adopts you into his. You lose your old name. You take on a new name. You lose your old identity, you take on a new identity. You lose your false self and who you thought you were, and you take on a whole new persona, identity. Now, his name is your name. His identity becomes your inheritance. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm telling you something here. 
John 8 says, listen, a sinner, a servant, excuse me, a servant only abides in a house for a short time, but a son abides forever. He's just a house guest. Hey, he could leave any time. But when you're a son and he owns the house, you've always got a home. Amen. You know, what if I leave? Hey, prodigal son can try, to be a, try, try not to be a son all day, and the father never stops being a father, and that door is never locked. That's the deal. Father knows who you are. So there's a weightiness. There's a tangible weight to the glory of God, experiencing the glory of God. It's more than just an intellectual ascent. It's, it's recognizing that God, as an other center, I'm going to say some stuff here that I'm, I'm not going to talk to your head. I want to talk to your spirit because your spirit understands more than your head does. That the, the, the dance, the uniting dance of the triunity of the Trinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, an other-centered, self-giving relationship of love. It's like a, it's a family where one constantly points to the other. They're never self-promoting, never self-seeking. Jesus is constantly pointing to the Father. The Father is giving the Spirit. The Spirit is revealing the Son. Each one is pointing to the other, and you and I are invited. We're included, we're embraced in this, in this crossfire of adoration. We're right in the middle of it all. That's what it means to live under the weighty glory of God. It's not God coming in and dropping the hammer on your life. It's God coming in and embracing you, wrapping his arms around you where you're safe and you're protected. You're loved. You absolutely know that you are loved. And he accepts you just as you are, but he doesn't leave you as you are. Say, he says, every part of you, all those doors you've kept closed, we're going to take these doors off the hinges. I'm going to fill every part of your life and we're going to live in complete, unbroken, unhindered communion to walk with an awareness of the kabod of God is your destiny. Amen. I, uh, I know that a lot, a lot of you are like, yeah, I carry weight. Come on, challenge me, God. Go ahead. Fine, crush me with your presence. I've heard that a lot. Just crush me, God, with your... I love the hearts of people that do that. That's so... That's beautiful. That's, that's cool. But I was talking with Levi the other night. He gave me a revelation that... I, I just got to give him credit for this because he gave me a revelation that God has gone, take that spark of revelation, I'm going to turn it into a fire here, a bonfire. I'm like, oh, good, good. And, and I, I, can't, I can't stop thinking about this thing and dreaming about it. I'll tell you what, we, what we were talking about. We were talking about uh, that, that these days it feels so much like, especially young people, find themselves in a state of being under-challenged. Like, how do we challenge young people in a way that builds them spiritually but doesn't break them to, their, to the point where they're like, oh, this is no fun anymore, I'm out of here. And knowing that he's a coach, I said, well, you, guys, you know, you're, you're in the gym with young people. You treat them all exactly the same. He said, no, of course not. You know, some people come in, they look like a natural linebacker. You know, you give them the right amount of weight for what they can carry. Some guy comes walking in, you know, a kid comes walking in, he's 110 pounds soaking wet. You, you give him a bar without any weight on it, you know. You're like, lift that for a while, you know. So you assess where people are at, right? And so he said something really fascinating. So you don't think about just the, just the muscles. You know, kids come to the gym, they want to build muscles. He said, but if they lift too much weight, they'll have incredibly fast gains in a short amount of time, thinking they're doing a lot of good. But what they're actually doing is they're not thinking about their joints, and they're destroying their joints, right? 
And he goes, and so what you do is you find the amount of weight that is right for the person to build muscle, maybe a minimum amount of weight, but it's something where they can actually build muscle and build strength while maintaining the ability to move. And people don't think about that in the gym. All they're thinking about is you know, looking like Schwarzenegger, right? They just want to like get as bulked up as possible. It doesn't matter if you know 20 years from now they're walking around like this, you know. You know, I gotta sit down, right? You know, they look great, but they can't move, right? So, so he goes, he goes, you know, but that's really not the problem. And this is what he said that really caught my attention. He says, when people come into the gym, most of the time they ego lift. I said, wait, 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 what is that? He goes, you know, it's like when you're when when you just look around, you're not lifting weights to build anything up. You're lifting weights to impress everybody else. So people come in, they don't want to look like they're, they're, they're wimpy. And so because of the, the, the people around them, they'll just load up. They'll, they'll lift more than they can to try to prove something. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, that's the state of my church. You see everybody out there working for me and doing all this stuff to try to impress me and everybody else around them. They're ego lifting. You know what ego lifting does? It destroys your joints. The Bible calls us a body. We're the body of Christ. And movement happens by what every joint supplies. And when you ego lift to try to impress everybody else around you, what I'm doing for God and trying to impress God, God's already impressed with you. You don't need to impress him. You can't impress him anymore. He's just impressed because you are, okay? When you try to ego lift with your own works, you actually destroy connection. And then we wonder why the body is disjointed and divided. When Jesus brought his disciples to a table of communion one night and he took the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. In other words, my body is going to be broken so yours is not. And this is my blood shed for you, the new covenant of my blood. He says, when you come together and you eat this and you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. The English word remember is a really fascinating word. One, on one hand, it means to, to think about things you've forgotten, but there's an even greater depth to it. To remember is to bring back together what has been dismembered. In other words, to take things that have been disconnected and put the joints back together so that the body can move. And I felt the Lord saying, Bill, this is discipleship. Disciples don't ego lift. Disciples aren't like, crush me with your glory so I can impress everybody else around me with how much I can carry. Disciples walk with an awareness, constant awareness, spirit, soul, and body of the presence of God. It's almost like you don't leave the kabod when you leave this room. And the tragedy for many people in the Christian life is that they have no awareness of the kabod in or out of church. But the Bible says everybody is going to feel it. Yeah. Everybody's going to feel it. I watch people on my Facebook wall sometimes. They'll, they'll sit there and they'll argue back and forth about the existence of God. Does God exist? I don't think he does. I think he does. Absolutely. I'm going to prove that he doesn't. And they give some philosophical argument. Well, I'm going to prove that he does. And they give some experience they had in their life. And I just look back and forth and I'm like, you know, there comes a point 
And I realize this is why we haven't seen this, this globally yet. There's a point here in time where the kabod of God covers the entire earth as the water covers the sea to where all these arguments go away. My experience and your philosophy stop clashing. Why? Because we all become aware. We all become aware of the glory. The glory has weight, has substance. Many ask, what is the glory of God? So I'd like to define it like this. Moses went to the mountain one day uh, and he said, God, show me your glory. What, what a request. You remember what God said back to him? He says, I'm going to make all of my goodness to pass before you. And so Moses got a glimpse of the backside of the goodness of God. So the glory of God is really the goodness of God on display. When Moses came down from the mountain after that experience, maybe he realized it, maybe he didn't realize it, but immediately when the people looked up, what they saw is not just a man walking like you and I are sitting here in this moment. They saw a person under an old covenant, a covenant that's not as good as the one we're in now, they saw him literally glowing. He was shining, shining so brightly, they actually had to put a veil over his face to even have a conversation with him. Isaiah chapter 16, verse 1 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. We often think, well, that's a messianic verse talking about Jesus, but 1 John 4, 17 says, as he is, so are we in this world. John 17, he said, Jesus prayed, said, Father, the glory that you've given me, I give to them so that they may be one just like us. John 20, he said, as the Father sent me, I send you. So verses about the glory that he carries are actually a revelation of what you're destined to carry because you're made in his image and likeness. So, Isaiah 60, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. It goes on to say, behold, darkness covers the earth, deep darkness the people, but the glory of God will rise upon you. In the middle of the darkest time, where the earth is filled with violence and sin, the glory of God will rise upon you. You understand what I'm saying here? We, all the way up until now in this message, you may have thought, well, what Bill is saying is that eventually God just goes ahead and presses down on us like the hand's been hovering over us and now he just presses. Oh, good, that's it. That's the way it happens. No, no. The way God covers the earth with his glory is when you share the glory that you carry. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you something. Isaiah 60 goes on to say, darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people, but the glory of God will arise upon you. Nations, kings will come streaming to the brightness of your rising. One of the names for Jesus, he's called the desire of the nations. And when he is seen for who he truly is in his people, 
he becomes irresistibly attractive. It's like a hungry person who hasn't eaten in days walks by a bakery baking bread. That's what it's gonna be like when a sinner walks by you when you carry the glory of God. They're suddenly just going, you got something I need. I, I got to tell you, this is what it means. You carry an awareness of the glory of God in every situation, and people will suddenly have their spiritual senses awakened to, you got something I need right now. The glory of God has weight. It carries substance. It has depth to it. And you and I, are called to be carriers of the glory. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21 says, Now to him who's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all you could ask or even think, according to the power that works within you, to him be glory in the church. This is what I'm saying to you. Listen, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, what you're doing is you're opening yourself to be a carrier of the glory of God. You're saying, God, let the earth be covered by the sphere of influence that is my life. Let everyone within the sphere of my influence feel the kabod of your goodness. Have a perception of the weight of the goodness of God upon my life. We've come to the end of our time here. I'm just got to give you quick the address. If you'd like to write to us here, you can write to Faith Mountain Ministries, Box 595, Marshall, Minnesota, 56258. Jump online and go to VanderbushMinistries.com or BillVanderbush.com. If you'd like to support the broadcast, you can do so at both of those places. Hey, listen, thanks so much for being a part of this ministry and helping us to just continue to do what we do to put the message of the grace of the goodness of God out in a world that's really filled with judgment, that's weaponized to judgment. But you guys uh, just make it so possible for us to continue to do what God's called us to do, and we're so grateful. Listen, until next time, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.